morning, everybody. Shut on. I think, maybe. Am I in there? A little bit? All right. Maybe just a little bit. A little bit more. Is that better? All right. So, apparently, we need more dire consequences than nothing in order to get us here on time. So, uh, we're, we're really sticklers for the guys showing up every Monday for the staff meeting. So, when they come in late, uh, Mike plays the Price is Right theme on his, uh, on his uh, computer, and we all clap for them when they show up late. And so, they have to kind of make the walk of shame and, you know. Yep, and then uh, usually they end up having to sit behind somebody with some plumber crack or something. So, anyway, here we are. <laughs> We're expecting that on a Sunday morning, were you? Oh. Jesus, we just thank you for your faithfulness, God, for your word to us, God. God, this morning we just want to come before you, God, in, in humility, God, and, and put put away all of our defenses. God, and um, just listen to everything that you have to say to us. God, we want to receive your word to us. We just want your presence to do as only you can do in us. God, that the anointing oil of your presence would soften us. God, that you would um, uh, turn up the the soil of our hearts. God, that we might uh, be ready to receive what you have for us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Go over to Numbers, I believe it's 14, where I'm headed. So, we seem to be kind of hanging out in this general area lately. Um, so, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about um, you know about dominion lately, the thought process, and we've been talking about. You know, right before that, uh, we were talking a lot about discipline. It seemed like week after week. So, um, I was thinking about those things uh, yesterday and just talking to the Lord about it. And uh, this just happened to be where I was. I was reading. Um, so, so numbers fourteen. Um, Kind of to set the stage here, this is right after uh, the spies have gone to Canaan and and checked out the land and brought back the uh, the big cluster of grapes that it took two guys to carry. Uh, and if you've ever looked at a children's Bible, it's probably you know has like those basketball-sized grapes in it and stuff. And it's like, you know, it doesn't say anything like that. It just says it took two guys with a stick to carry this thing. So I'm picturing like this massive thing of like gazillions of grapes. I would have very little use for that myself, but because it's fruit. But <laughs> you know, they 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 say that uh, you know fruit is nature's candy, and the people that say that are people who've never had candy. But uh, so I I grew up on candy, not fruit. So then it's like, oh man, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have an orange. This is gonna be great. <laughs> what is this garbage? So 
So anyway, so they they have uh, they've gone through the land and and I'm sure you know the story. They come back and uh, and they're like, oh yeah, land's great, awesome, but there's also these humongous giants in there, and uh, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Um, so. Uh, it's interesting. There's nothing like having somebody bring you bad news, and uh, or or a like an, an evil report um, to uh, to to kind of just take the wind out of your sails and, and make you feel like, oh, maybe this isn't such a great deal after all. So so in Numbers 14, uh, verse one says, and all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would God we had died in the wilderness. I love how completely and utterly unreasonable this is. As if it were somehow Moses and Aaron's fault that there's giants in the land. You know, and... uh that's one of the one of the fun things about being in charge of something is is uh, um, you get blamed for everything, whether it's uh, in your control or not. Uh, like every time there's a natural disaster, or uh, uh, people think that the government should have everything cleaned up and put back together immediately. You know, I mean, it, it's funny how you know we're, we get so insulated with our own life and stuff. I mean, I drive by these, there's these three houses that just got hammered just south of Lawrence when that tornado came through. It's like been long enough now, I don't even think about it anymore. But I drive past these houses every day and they're just, there's just these foundations there and a big pile of garbage behind, next to them. And uh, um, and it's funny, it's, I was thinking about that and thinking how you know, people, when there's these natural disasters, like, why isn't that taken care of yet? This was the president's fault. You know, or this is the government's fault, or whatever. You know, it's like what, is, what are they supposed to do? So, you know, I love this because the children of Israel wanted somebody to to blame for their disappointment, and so they they blame Moses and Aaron as if it were somehow their fault. It's like you, like you made us come out of Egypt. How dare you? you know, even though they had been sighing in bondage and wanting to come out of Egypt. And, and then God brought them out, and they were celebrating for a while. And then they, uh, it's funny to me, because so much of Christianity expects everything to be all like, you know, cakewalk here and pie in the sky when you die. And it's like, nah. I don't know where they get that idea from. It's like, I don't know where you could read the, how you could read the Bible and come up with um, everything's going to be smooth and easy. So... Uh, so they're they're all crying and, and upset that there's giants in the land because these these guys have have taken the heart out of them by saying that well we can't go in there because there's giants in there. So he says so they they said would God that we had died in the land of Egypt or would God that we died in the wilderness. Wherefore has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return in Egypt? 
And they said to one another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. So this place that they wanted desperately to be freed from, now that they were free from it and they encountered an obstacle of some sort, are thinking, it would, I was actually more comfortable being in bondage. You know, and the funny thing is, is we get that way with thought processes. We get that way with all kinds of things that we get tangled in in our life. And, um, the, and you know, oddly enough, it's easy to come into like some sort of um, uh, dominion under a thought process that tells you that you that everything bad, that you're a failure and that, you know, that you have no hope of ever succeeding and that God hates your guts and he would just as soon squish you as look at you. And, and you're all like staring at me because you're either thinking about that or it's like, how did you know I was thinking that? And it's funny because when you say it out loud, you realize how ridiculous it sounds and, and you understand that, wow, that's contrary to everything that God said and everything that God's actually done in my life. But it's funny how it's more comfortable to think that way than it is to actually, to your flesh anyway, or to your some like perverse little part of your mind to think that it's, it's, it that seems more reasonable to think that God would rather squish me like a bug than look at me than that actually, you know, God loves me. And... and and he valued me enough that he that he died in my place, and that he bought me. He sought me, and he bought me with his redeeming blood, and done all of these wonderful things in my life. I mean, you know, next time you have one of those thoughts, it's like just go back in your mind and think about all the stuff that God has done for you, and 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 then you know, kind of hold that up with, yeah, God must not like me. So. But they're more comfortable there. It seemed easier to just stay there than than it would be to actually be free. Uh, but they're but they're looking at their own ability to to defeat this thing. Um, and Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that had searched out the land, rent their clothes. So these guys went with them. I love it because they had 12 spies, and these 10 guys, or these two guys were like, no, this, this is doable. And uh, uh, interesting how, how much smaller the number of the folks who thought this was going to work out okay uh, is compared to the number of people that, uh, that thought, oh, this is a disaster. Um, one time, uh, uh, Mike and I were doing this project uh, back when uh, we still painted stuff, and uh, um, we were working on this, this, this Victorian house. It was a newer house, but it was built to be like a Victorian with like the, the rounded, like you know, turret cupola things and all that cool stuff. And it was like. Not something that you could just put a ladder on the ground and get up to it. It's going to be more creative than that. And she didn't like the idea of using tow boards where you actually nail through the roof and put boards up there and stuff. And uh, which I don't blame her because it's a good way to cause leaks. Um, but that only left getting like some sort of like articulating lift. And 
so we rented one, and we haul it out there, and it's this dewy, like, fall morning, and we needed to turn the thing around, hauling it behind behind a pickup truck, and so kind of make this wide circle out in her grass. Uh, of course, she's out in the country, you know, and she's got this big field and stuff. And it got stuck because the grass was just so wet, could not move. And we didn't want to tear up her yard, so we kind of sat there. And honestly, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, I just kind of threw my hands up. I was like, well, we're screwed. Forget it. <laughs> like, there, there is no solution to this problem. So... So then, you know, Mike was, you know, a little bit more like Joshua and Caleb here. He's like, well, there has to be an answer. We can't just leave the thing sitting in her yard till doomsday. Which I understood that, but it's like, but what? I, I was out of ideas. You know, I'm, I'm the kind of person that if something breaks, I'm like, I do everything I know to do, which is pretty much just turn it off and on and be like, what the heck is the matter with this thing? So... I mean, I, I had exhausted my problem-solving abilities on this thing, and uh, so we, yeah, we we got it fixed. But uh, anyway, um, so these guys go uh, had gone in through the land with all the other ten spies, uh, but they came back with a different idea than than what the other ten came back with. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake to the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to search is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only not, only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. And their defense is departed from them. The Lord is with us. Fear them not. So, so these guys have seen the promise, you know, and, you know, I mean, we, this is like Abraham, you know, looking at the stars and God telling him, you're going to have offspring like that because he couldn't see how that would necessarily work. And it certainly wasn't there yet. Um, These guys had seen it and they, they believed what God told them that, that, that he was going to give them the land. So they didn't take into account, oh, there's these big giants that are going to smash us because we're like grasshoppers in their sight. They said, God said he would give us the land. And and I love as you go through this, I mean, this whole thing, um, um, it's not in this chapter so much, but, you know, God talks to him in Deuteronomy about, you know, you're going to inherit, you know, houses that you didn't build and fields that you didn't plant and and all the stuff, like, where did they think all that stuff came from? <laughs> so, um, and sometimes we have a very fairy dust view of the things that God does in our life like that. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, you know, God is going to, you know, wave his magic wand and all of, you know, poof, all these things will just appear uh, and everything will be, will be wonderful. And uh, there will not be a speck of dust on my Lincoln Navigator as I pull into my my gated community. You know, it's like, not so much. So if you drive a Navigator, congratulations. But um, So, you know, I like it because 
they they start out agreeing with what the other spies said. Like, yeah, because they said, oh, it's great land. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they say, uh, the land which we pass through to search, it is an exceeding good land. And I, and I like that phrase, exceeding good. I know. Right? You know it, and it means just, just what they translated it like. I mean, good in every sense of the word and exceeding, like very much so. Over the top, as many as you could throw in their goods. Uh, as as Levi would say, it deed lots of good. So, there, there, there was once that we, we had a, a bit of a come-to-Jesus meeting, as they called them, when he was little, about uh, fixing some behavior. And uh, I actually came home in the middle of the day, left work to deal with it, and then I went back to work. And then when I came home at the end of the day, he met me at the door and said, Dad, Dad, I beat lots of good today. <laughs> and it was just the greatest thing. So here we are, years later, we still talk about how he beat lots of good. So, um, so, so essentially, that's what they're saying here. It's like, yeah, it's an exceeding good land. It's amazing, awesome land. And then uh, I love how this next verse, he says, if the Lord delight in us, then he'll give us the land. And give that he'll bring us into the land and give it to us. Of course, in Hebrews, he says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right. And so that's the very thing that the other spies were lacking, was faith, that God was going to get this thing done because they were looking at themselves and their ability to get the stuff done. And, and Joshua and Caleb are looking at God. It's like, well, actually, God said he was going to give us the land. So that would be that would be that then, uh, and that's you know one of the and this gives you an illustration of one of the most destructive things to your faith that you can do is trying to figure out how is God going to do this because if you when God tells you He's going to do something and you and you you, you it's like you turn into Sarah it's like how would that happen you know, she's like I'm too old to have children. Like, Abraham is, like, ancient. Like, how would this possibly work? And when you start thinking your way through that, then suddenly you're like me standing in the in the tall, dewy grass with the lift that won't move. It's like, well, this just isn't going to work. This isn't going to happen. Then we, we turn into the ten spies coming back like, yeah, yeah, be, that's a great promise. It ain't going to happen because I can't figure out how you would do it. But that's the awesome thing about what God does is He does things and you could never figure out how He was going to do it. Like Because you'll look back after He does it and think, I did not see that coming. It's like reading a really good book and they like throw something at you and you're like, I did not see that coming. (laughs) And so, you know, God does that in our life. It's like, wow, I, I would have never thought of that in a million years. You know, and, and it's and it's funny because it's not always something that's like super happy and fun at the moment. You know, Mike and I talked for years about how cool it would be to like if we could like still make money but not come home dirty and sweaty at the end of the day and not paint stuff. And but I could never see how you would get from there to there. And uh, you know, oddly, you know, I, I I literally could not. I, I just figured, well, that will never happen because I cannot figure out how it would happen. And oddly enough, one of the things that 
that God used to make that happen was me being nearly crippled for a while <laughs> and in immense pain and all kinds of turmoil. Not not what I would have thought of at all. didn't enjoy it. But having come through that, I would never want to go back through. I would never want to go that way again. And uh, and I wouldn't trade having been through that for anything. So, um, so they say if the Lord delights in us, then He'll give us the land. See, these guys have got that that sense of well, God said He'd give us the land. So so God is pleased with this sense of faith that that they that they're displaying here. And, and I love this because. Uh, as I've gotten um, older, I've, I've realized there is a difference between just bravado and and actually looking to God that He's going to get something done. Uh, because at first glance, chapter verse nine kind of seems like bravado, and and there's you know there's a place for some well placed bravado, but but as we were talking about the other day, you know when when Michael was had come after the body of Moses. He didn't rail on this uh, on the devil and throw all this stuff at him. He just said, you know, the Lord rebuke you. So, no, not not really any bravado there because what bravado do you need when you've already pulled out the big guns? It's like when you know when you pull out the when you pull out the name of Jesus, you've already pulled out the biggest guns you could pull out. And so there's really when you ha- when you have somebody so obviously and hilariously outgunned then there's really no reason to to grandstand and, and, and all that. That's why they don't like it when you do that in football. So only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. I love that. Reminds me of the story Mark Rutland tells about he coached um uh this like inner city like junior high football team. And they were really ragtag. I mean, the school couldn't even afford to get them like matching uniforms and stuff. And they were going against this team that was a lot better trained, a lot. And they had more equipment, and all their uniforms matched, and all that. And and they were just lined up outside the stadium to intimidate this bus full of these kids when they come in. And so uh, Mark Rutland has the bus driver stop, and he uh, and he just he's like, hey. So you see those guys over there. You know, what they're telling you is that you guys are all trash and that they're going to destroy you and uh, um, and that they're better than you. I'm not saying that you should do anything. I'm not telling you what to do. I just want to make sure you understand this is what they're saying to you. And then uh, he sits back down, the bus driver. He's like, now drive real slow. And they drive real slow by all these guys. And these kids are like hanging out the windows shouting, we're going to eat you. And and so they won that game. And he's like, well, actually, we beat them in the parking lot because you could see fear in their eyes. He's like ragtag kids hanging out the bus, pounding on the sides of the bus, screaming, we're going to eat you. So, so that's, that's, that's a little, kind of what, that's what I was thinking of here. It's like, you know, Caleb's like, like these guys, we're gonna eat them, yeah. you know. And uh, so I love it. They are bread for us. You know, but the interesting thing about that is God really does use those sorts of things to to strengthen you. 
in your life and to, to, to you know, really nourish your soul because you find out that he will come through for you when you go through tough stuff. Um, and, and, uh, and you really do benefit from that. He says their defense is parted from, departed from them. Um, um, and uh, it's the word shadow. Their shadow is departed from them. The thing, the thing that would hide them and, and protect them just like you would hide under the, the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. It's like the, their shadow has departed from them. So they, he's like, they're defenseless. He's like, look at them. They're like these big, giant sheep. And we're just going to go in there and tear them to shreds. You know, but, but this isn't bravado. He's just telling them fact. He's like, we're going to go in there and chew them up because... He says, the Lord is with us, fear them not. And so, that's the sort of thing that we, that we encounter in our lives. You know, it could be something, some issue in your life, you know, something that you, 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 know, you feel like you could never get victory over. Or, or, that, or it could be some kind of thought process, like, like how they, they were so comfortable being in bondage to, in Egypt that it would be more comfortable to be there you know, better, better, uh, you know, better a slave there than uh, being destroyed by these giants is what they were thinking. But, uh, um, but those things are—they're bred for you because the power of God dwells in you, and when you let Him fight the battle, then, then you can hang out the side of the chariot and, and uh, while you're going by the giants and be like, "I'm going to eat you." Uh huh. You know, and pound on the side of the chariot a little bit. You know, I mean, it, you don't even need to use proper English. You say stuff like, we going to eat you. You know. So. Yep. Uh, let's see. Exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, Verse 10 is just like the flesh. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, no, because we're the people who find fault with the ministry every time we come into a problem. So, it's, you know, because certainly no problem that I ever run into could have, I could never have any sort of culpability in it uh, because all my ways are right in my own eyes. So, surely, you know, I, I don't, there's, there's nothing that, uh, that, you know, uh, that God expects out of me. You know, if you tell me that I'm going to have to, you know, fight giants and stuff, well, it's like, well, then I'll just kill you. It's like they're not afraid of these guys, apparently. So, um, um, let's see. I'm trying to figure out a good way to make this not take forever. Um, uh, all the congregation bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people provoke me, and how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed to them? So God's like, So what about me tearing up Egypt and bringing them through the Red Sea and, and everything else thus far? How do they not see that I told them I'm going to bring you into the land. What makes them think that I'm just bringing them out here to get killed by a bunch of giants? 
He says, I'll smite them with pestilence and disinherit them and make of you a greater nation and mightier than they. And you know there had to be like just this little piece of Moses that was like, yes! (laughs) Problem solved! (laughs) Let's get rid of these guys and start over again. But of, of course... Of course, Moses, being the, the, the picture of the perfect ministry, says, but then the Egyptians will hear of it, for you brought this people up in your might from among them, and they'll tell it to the inhabitants of this land. For they've heard that you are Lord among this people, and that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and that your cloud stands over them, and that you go before them by daytime in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire by night. He's like, so, he's like, these guys are already afraid of us showing up at the door. But if, but if they find out that uh, that you destroyed them, then they're going to think that you couldn't do it. Now, if you kill all these people as one man, the nations which have heard of the fame of you will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he swore to them, therefore he's slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, the Lord is long-suffering, of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of thy mercy as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even till now. Okay, here's where I was trying to get to. Um, uh, verse 24, where I wanted to go. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and has followed me fully, him will I bring into the land where into I, he went and his seed will possess it. So, um, go with me over to Joshua 14. Uh, and while you're there, or while we're on our way over there, um, so then the children of Israel decide, oh, he tells them, he's like, you're not going in. He's like, you said that you your carcasses were going to fall in the wilderness, and that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, and uh, and so then after God says, okay, well, you're not going in then. Forget it. And uh, uh, then they said, no, 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 we're good. You know, faced with, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and dying out there. Um, and so then they decided to try and go up. And and then they and Moses like, uh, no, don't, don't go up there. You don't want to go up there. This is not going to work. And so it says that they go up to fight, but Moses and the ark, the tabernacle, all stayed where they were. And so they go up there and they all get killed. And uh, so they... So, like, so they, they wouldn't do the thing that God told them to do. And then when God says, okay, well, then we're doing this then. They said, no, 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 we'll, we'll go do the first thing you said. But they're, now they're not obeying the thing that God told them to do. Uh, so here in Joshua 14, uh, verse 6, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, Thou knowest the thing the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years I was or old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. And nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly follow the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because you wholly follow the Lord my God. Now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as I said, these forty and five years. Even since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and lo, this day I am fourscore and five years old. So he's 85. 85. And so he's spent like 
the 40 years in the wilderness and then another five years in this conquest in Canaan. So he's 85 years old. And, and I mean, you know how scary this guy must be? <laughs> this grizzled 85-year-old guy that, that kills giants and men, women, and children. And, uh, and, and they're bred for him. And so he says, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in that day that Moses sent me. My, as my strength was then, even so my strength is now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spoke in that day. For you have heard in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I should be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a Hebron for an inheritance. And Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because he wholly followed the Lord his God. And the name of Hebron was before that Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakins. So, so here it is, you know, you fast forward 45 years and here's Caleb still there. All this, the rest of this generation is gone. Except for him and Joshua. And, uh, and he's, he's, now he's ready to, to do, to go in and fight the giants. He's not, you would think, I don't know, I think myself, if I was 85, I'd be like looking for like my porch swing and a cup of coffee, you know. And he's like, he's like, give me the mountain where the giants with the fenced-in cities are, because God will give them to me. And uh, and so, you know, sometimes we think that that like, well, I don't know. It just seems too whatever. Like this, this giant seems too big. This giant seems too that or or whatever, you know. And, and and that's partly why I wanted to tie this in with that sense of thought process and dominion that we've been talking about, because um, because a thought process becomes that familiar to you, and it becomes that in, uh, intimidating. It's like, well, you couldn't get rid of me. It's like. Uh, it, it's like um, Goliath standing out in the valley challenging Israel. And, uh, and so God is looking for, for us to be like David. Because David was incensed. Like, how dare he stand out there and talk like that? Because he's, he's not just reproaching us. He's reproaching God. It's like, isn't somebody going to go out there and kill him and shut him up? And because no one was, he did. But he didn't go because he was some mighty warrior. He went in the name of the Lord. Uh, so just real quick, eating into your donut time here, uh, go with me over to Hebrews right quick. You guys all know this, I'm sure. You guys are all yawning like, yes, Greg, I've heard this before. Um, so in Hebrews, I'm going to read four, but in three he kind of starts talking about this the same thing that we've just read about these guys coming up to the promised land and then not going in. Um, and in uh, uh, well, and I'll start at three seventeen. He said, "But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? To whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but them that believe not? So we see that they couldn't enter in because of unbelief." 
And so a lot of that sense of unbelief comes from, am I looking at God to do this or am I looking at me to do this? Because the more times you try on your own and fail, then the more you become convinced that this, this whatever thing in your life is invincible. Um, but um, you know, for for God, it's like yawn. No, and uh, so uh, so here in four, he says, therefore, let us therefore fear lest the promise being left of us entering into His rest, and even should come seem to come short of it. And I love this word rest. It, it means to repose down. This is like a dwelling place. This is like I'm going to settle here and build a house because this is where this is mine. This is where I'm going to live. And uh, and so this is exactly what God intends for us to do: is to to see the promise by faith, to to believe that you know actually God is bigger than all of my giants and, and stuff in my land, and and I'm going to trust Him. One day at a time, one step at a time, to 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 bring the victory, and I am I'm going to build a house in Canaan's fair land. It's like I'm I'm going to I'm going to live in the promised land because it's you and it's him. That's that's the promised land is living living without without being handcuffed to this carcass in the wilderness. We uh, we uh, I saw a mouse in our house recently. And by the time I like got up off the couch and grabbed a shoe, it had vanished. It was just like Houdini. And uh, so we were kind of just like, Ugh. <laughs> it's like I feel so dirty, you know. And we found these little mouse traps and we set them out. And uh, yesterday I kept thinking, what is that? It was real faint. But there was like something smelled funky. And so Cynthia shuffled some things around, and sure enough, we had caught this little thing, and it was dead, and as and smelled like a dead thing. And uh, it's like, yeah. I don't remember where I was going with that, but uh, um, so. But he says, uh, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as to them, but the word preached didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So you can sit in church and listen to the word week after week, year after year, but if if you don't if you don't believe it, then um, uh, then it, it doesn't profit you. And, and he and he said in James, he's like, you know, if any of you lack wisdom, you know, let him ask of God. It's like, so what if you lack faith? Could you not ask him for that? Uh, he said, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, you know, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is when God is, or Jesus is talking to the man that his son was bound by the unclean spirit and his, his disciples couldn't cast it out. I think, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of the right story. And he, and, he's, and he said, you know, he's like, well, if you believe. You know, and he says, Lord, I believe. And then he immediately says, help my unbelief. Because it's like, well, I believe. That that's what you want me to say, but actually, I need some help here. And uh, um, you know, because we we think that God is like standing there with hoops for us to jump through when He's wanting us to succeed and He's made the way for us. Yeah. So He said, uh, "For we which have believed do enter into rest, 
as he said, as I've sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest. Although the works were done, from, finished from the foundation of the world. Well, that's a comforting thought, isn't it? It's like this is already a foregone conclusion. For he spoke in the certain place on the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all of his works, and in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore, it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limits a certain day, saying in David, today after so long a time, as it said, today if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. So, this 7 and 8 are not in parentheses, but it seems to me that he's about to say something, and then he kind of jumps off on this little clarifying thing. So I'm going to read 6 again, and I'm going to jump down to 9. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief, there remains therefore a rest to the people of God. A keeping of Sabbath. This word here literally means to settle down or colonize. So that, which is exactly what God intended for Israel to do in Canaan, to to show up and colonize the place. So, you know, I I appreciate you know uh, imperialism and colonization. You know, my my forebears came and colonized this great land. Um, uh, so, so for he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And this word unbelief means unpersuadable. So, so the 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 ten spies were unpersuadable. They saw it with their own eyes, and yet they could not believe that God was going to give it to them because they they believed that they could not overcome the giants. And and, uh, uh, and so it's an interesting thing because you wouldn't think that God would have to persuade you to believe Him. But but I, I'm sure you know from your own life experience, He does. He has. To, he proves himself to you that you can trust him, and 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 isn't that tender of him? You wouldn't think he would have to do that. It's like, well, it's like, well, if you don't trust me, then you know, forget it. Yeah. Uh, because that's a that's a painful thing when you, when somebody doesn't trust you, and and you have given them no reason not to, and uh, so you know, trust is an interesting thing, but. Um, so, so we don't want to be unpersuadable. You know, we we want to be fully persuaded, just like Abraham was, that what he's promised, he's able to perform. So, so if God is talking to you about something in your life that He's going to fix, or that He wants you to not not be on the same side of anymore, um, He wants you to be persuadable, persuadable by Him. As pertains to your enemies, you know, you kind of want to have that thought like Caleb had. It's like, well, actually, their their defense has departed from them, and they're bred for me. Like, I am going to hang out the side of the bus, and I'm going to tell them that I'm going to eat you. So, 
Jesus, we thank you for your promises. Uh, we thank you for your uh, your word to us, God. That that your intention for us is nothing but good, uh, God. That that you have uh, intended from the very beginning to set us absolutely free from every kind of of bondage, God. Uh, bondage in the flesh, in the mind, in the spirit, God, you have intended to set us every bit free, God, and to bring us under only your dominion. God, and I pray that today that that none of us would fall after that same example of unpersuadableness, God, but that we would uh, trust wholly in you, God, that our hearts would follow wholly after you, God, just like Caleb and Joshua. God, we just we pray that you would do these things in us. God, that you would accomplish in our life the things that you have set forth to accomplish. And God, today in this place, I just pray you meet every need. Uh, God, and that you would cause us to to come with a sense of of assured expectation. God, that that you are most certainly going to meet with us today, and that you most certainly uh, will have something for us. God, and that that we would take that thought. And, and make it our own, that you have something for me. God, we pray it and ask it in your righteous holy name. Amen. Amen.